Good morning, everybody. I wonder if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. We'll see if we can get some technology happening. Oh, there we are. Acts chapter 18, verses, verse 24 through to 19, verse 7. It's fairly long, but we'll persevere. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervour and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogues. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, The brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in the public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, where he found some disciples and asked them, "'Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?' They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that that uh, even though John's Baptist baptism talked about repentance, Lord, that you talked about the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you've talked about salvation, Lord, that you've talked about giving us what we need to live godly lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Have you ever been a bit taken aback when you find something out, something that you should have known all along and wished that somebody had told you. Even better still, have you ever been to a trivia night or maybe done an exam or gone to an interview and you've been asked a question and you can't find the words or you think, yeah, I know that but I can't think of what it is and then the answer comes along and you say, yes, I knew that, why didn't I say so? Anybody ever had that or is that just me? No. Yeah. Good, I'm glad it's not just me. I was a bit worried there for a minute. The story in Acts uh, chapters 18 and 19 is very interesting. There's this chap called Apollos and he's a Jew and he's described as learned. So he knew a fair bit. Um, He had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been taught about Jesus and in turn with great fervour he'd gone out into his neighbourhood and he'd spread the good news, teaching about Jesus and it says accurately. But there was something deficient in his understanding. He only understood the baptism of John. So when Aquila and Priscilla came across him, they invited him over to their place, probably for dinner or something, and they explained the way of God more adequately. So let's fast forward just a little bit. When Paul gets to Ephesus a little bit later, and that's where Apollos had been, he discovered that a number of students of Apollos had never heard of the Holy Spirit. He asked them, 
did you get the Holy Spirit when you came to faith? And they said, they, well, they didn't even know that there was such a thing as a Holy Spirit. So he discovered that they too only knew the baptism of John. So Paul baptised them in Christ and the Holy Spirit came upon them. What's interesting to me here is that these were disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, but they were missing one of the most important elements of Christianity, the Holy Spirit. Our situation today is quite different. Um, we have been, most of us here have been baptised and so we've heard the Holy Spirit preached. We've heard a fair bit about the Holy Spirit. We study the Holy Spirit in our grow groups. But I wonder if sometimes we share something common with these Ephesian disciples. I wonder if we might miss out on the Holy Spirit. I wonder if we might sometimes miss the point that the Holy Spirit is wanting to talk to us about. It's not that we don't know about the Holy Spirit, but sometimes, I guess, for me anyway, I'm, I'm talk, preaching to myself here as well, sometimes I, I wonder whether we are not quite sure of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We aren't quite sure how the Holy Spirit deals with us just ordinary Christians. Or we hesitate in asking for help from the Holy Spirit. We know there's something not quite right, but we don't ask the Holy Spirit, perhaps when we should. So let's not put our hands up here, but we all need to ask ourselves, what role has the Holy Spirit played in our lives? That's the question we need to perhaps run ourselves over. Run the rule over ourselves, so to speak. What role has the Holy Spirit played in our lives? More to the point, what role have we allowed the Holy Spirit to play in our lives? Or have we put up barriers? Have we said, oh, that's it, Holy Spirit, no further? Sometimes we try to do it all ourselves and we don't give the Holy Spirit room to move. Or perhaps in life these days, life is busy and we get caught up in the busyness of life and there is so much noise going on in our lives that it becomes very hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of conversations going on around us and in our head. Where's the Holy Spirit in all that? We are all very well aware of God the Father and his creation. We've only got to look out the window. We see that every day. We're all very, very well aware of the sacrifice that Jesus made to deal with our sins and to bring about forgiveness. But how much awareness do we have about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives? In some Christian denominations, the focus is all about God the Father and Jesus, but very little, if anything, on the Holy Spirit. I grew up with a primitive understanding of the Roman Catholic version of the Gospel where the Holy Spirit was mentioned, but there was no clue of who or what the Holy Spirit was. It was all about the Father, it was all about the Son, and the Holy Spirit was mentioned, but that's about as far as it went. It was only when I started reading the Bible for myself and studying and doing things like Bible college and listening to sermons that I became to get an awareness of what the Holy Spirit was all about. I don't know if anyone else can, can relate to that, but it was very interesting that in my formative years, 
I wasn't exposed to the Holy Spirit. It was like he didn't exist. Maybe the Holy Spirit only came about in, in around about 1978 when I became a Christian. Maybe there was no Holy Spirit before that. I don't think so. I think he'd been around, but I didn't know anything about it. I'd never heard of him. Like Apollos, I knew about things like baptism, but I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. So why sometimes have we not understood or maybe neglected fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Perhaps it's something simple like we're afraid of what we don't understand. Perhaps we know, but we don't want to feel like we could be seen as fanatical. You know, like what the world calls happy clappers and God botherers. Or we see what some overzealous people are doing and claiming in the name of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't match up with Scripture. So we tend to shy away because we're just not sure whether we're in line with Scripture ourselves. But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit is fundamental to our faith. We cannot ignore the Holy Spirit and sustain our Christian walk. Now this might be something of a bit of surprise, but the Holy Spirit's appearance in the Bible is quite significant. I did a computer search on the NIV and I found 246 references to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament alone. The Holy Spirit is very much a part of our faith. If the Bible spends that much time referencing the Holy Spirit, then he's pretty significant. There's a lot of things I don't know about the Holy Spirit, and I'm yet to find out, but there are some things we can and should know. I don't want to get into a scriptural expose this morning, but the Bible does have a lot to say about the Spirit. And one of the things we can know is the Holy Spirit is God's promise to always be with us. In Matthew 28, 20, just as Jesus was about to ascend back into heaven following his resurrection, now remember, what did he tell his disciples? He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, has anybody ever thought that that might be a rather odd thing to say? I'm wondering whether maybe the disciples were thinking he's going away How can he be with us till the very end of the age? But he's not going to be here. How does that work? Now, I don't know. I'm not putting words in their mouths, but if I was there, I think I'd think that. (laughs) But Jesus said that because he knew that God was about to send his spirit to be with them. John 14, 15 to 18 says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Sometimes we might wonder, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, at least one function is implied by the use of the word counsellor or comforter. The Greek word, I had to do this, Damien. 
is parakletos. Who can say that with me? Parakletos. It's got nothing to do with budgies or parrots. Parakletos. And what it means is one who comes alongside for the purpose of giving aid, comfort and counsel. Who's ever felt down, felt like the world's collapsing around them, felt like they can't cope, felt like it's all too hard? Anyone ever felt that way? I'm the only one. Doesn't it feel good to have somebody with us, especially when we're going through a tough time? Somebody to go into bat for us. Doesn't it help to know you're not alone, that you've got somebody in your corner holding your hand no matter what? Whether it's sitting in a hospital room waiting on the doctors to come out and tell you how surgery went on a loved one, or maybe when we're facing difficult problems in marriage, Monica and I are the only ones that have to suffer with that. Um, I've lost my place now. <laughs> yeah, just ask Monica, she'll counsel, you, counsel me later. Yeah. Or what about if we're having a difficult time with the kids? Well, we don't have a difficult time with kids anymore, we have a difficult time with grandkids, but doesn't it help to feel like somebody is there alongside? And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is by our side. He is God by our side. And he will be with you. Jesus promises that. And he doesn't break promises. No matter how I, or anyone else to that matter, has understood the notion of the Holy Spirit with us, this is what the Bible says. He lives in us. Paul mentions this a number of times in his letters to the churches. Uh, and there's too many of them to read through today. Um, but there are some doctrines floating around in various places that theorise that the Holy Spirit did a lot of good things with the apostles in the first century and then he went away into some sort of obscurity. Now, I've searched and searched and searched and I cannot find anywhere in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit retired. <laughs> Has anyone ever found that? He has never stopped working. The Spirit came with great power on the day of Pentecost, but nowhere do I see that after that he left and went somewhere else. The opposite, in fact. John 14, 16, Jesus promised that this counsellor will be with us forever. There's a lot I don't know about the Holy Spirit, but the second thing I do know is that when he comes into our life, he's not going to be content to just sit there. He gets to work. When he comes in to take up residence in our lives, in our temple, he, he starts some major work in home improvement. Anyone ever done renovations on their house? Again, I'm the only one. Are renovations easy? No. Oftentimes you take things out and discover more has to come out. One of the renovations we did on our house was we built a new bathroom. So we pulled out the bath and things looked pretty disgusting behind there so we pulled all that out. Then we had to pull up the floor and we found rusted out pipes underneath. No wonder the, the shower water wasn't draining away very well. And the more we uncovered, the more there was to uncover. <laughs> renovations hurt 
So when the Holy Spirit is renovating us, making us better, improvement, a Mao Victory uh, 2.0, as it were, he's going to do things that are not going to be very very pleasant for me. But the object of it is that I'm going to be better than I used to be when the Holy Spirit's finished with me, if I let him do his job. That's the process of God at work in us, making us more holy, more righteousness, better than we were. It doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It's a process. I promise that, and so did Jesus. It's always the work of the Holy Spirit. In the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson translates 1 Corinthians 6, 11 like this. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by God, present in us, the Spirit. God has cleaned us up with the Spirit. I don't have it within me. None of us has it within us to be the people that God wants us to be. We don't have that power and ability. We can try and try and try, but we're never going to get there. If we did, then Jesus would not have had to come and die on the cross. If we could do it ourselves, what's the point, or what would be, if we achieved that, why would Jesus have had to come? He would have been wasting his time. It is only through the work of the Spirit that we're changed. We've all known some who have put that responsibility on themselves. We may have even tried to do that ourselves. And then what happens? We feel guilty because we don't achieve it. We feel guilty and we feel that we're just not good enough. We feel that it's just too hard and we want to give it up. Only God gives us the power to get our lives in order. And if we don't pay attention to the spirit in our life, we will never get there on our own. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Folks, God did not do what he did just so that we could be forgiven for our sins. He did it so that we could be given the power to get away from sin. Jesus did not come to sacrifice himself and then leave us wondering, okay, what now? Sin is no longer our master. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to resist and overcome the pull and temptation of sin. We don't have to continually fall into its trap because we've got the Holy Spirit within us. Have you ever found yourself battered and bruised and beaten up by the same sin over and over and over again and you just can't get on top of it? The question then is, have we tried to be doing it ourselves? Have we actually asked the Holy Spirit to do his thing or are we still trying to do it on our own maybe it's because we've not let the spirit holy spirit truly come in and renovate and clean up the house as i said who's renovated a house is it easy 
So is it easy for the Holy Spirit to do it? Well, it is if we let him do it. But if we're trying to do it as well, we're probably hindering him a bit. There are things that have to come out when we're renovating a house and sometimes it's painful. Some things have been there for a long time and they've rusted out and they need to be removed. And that sometimes hurts. But the Holy Spirit does not want to hurt us. He wants to deal with issues in our lives. He wants to heal us. Let me tell you about a little incident that occurred on Friday as I was preparing this message. Most of you know we've got a pet lorikeet who tries to rule the house. And I was in my study preparing this and I needed to get a glass of water. So I came up out of the study and I had to walk past the cage where the bird lives. The bird's name is Squirt, it's a lorikeet, that's what they do. Um, I had to walk past Squirt's cage and I could hear a tingling of his bell and he loves to normally lay on his back and, and play with the bell and I figured that's what he's doing. But as I walked past I noticed he wasn't laying there, he was actually a bit precariously balanced on his bell and he was moving around a fair bit and the bell was dingling away and it sounded like he was having a really good time and I looked a bit closer and what had happened, he likes also to play with cords and threads and things and he'd actually put his head through the loop of a, of a bit of cord and he nearly hung himself and I thought, hmm, this is going to be interesting. And I opened the cage door and put my hand in and he started squawking and lashing out and you know, he went into a bit of a panic mode and I knew I was going to get my hand minced up. So I just spoke to him gently and calmed him down and I got a pair of scissors and I just slid them in above his head but he didn't like that, he attacked the scissors so he wouldn't get out of the way. So I kept persevering and eventually he stayed still and I snipped the cord and that freed him. And there was a little bit of that uh, uh, thread still dangling and he reached down with his beak and he grabbed it and he sort of... <laughs> and he threw it away. Why am I sharing this with you? I don't know about everybody else, but the Holy Spirit often speaks to me in very practical means. The Holy Spirit said to me after I'd freed him, how many times do you get yourself into a problem that you can't get out of. How many times does a cord go around your neck and you struggle and you panic and you lash out and I'm trying to get a pair of scissors in there to cut it for you. And it really spoke to me. Here's a poor little bird who doesn't know what's happening. He's in serious danger of strangling himself and I came in and rescued him. How often do I get into trouble and I struggle and kick and scream and yell and shout and jump up and down, putting my own life in danger? And the Holy Spirit's trying to say, just keep still, I'll cut the cord. Rather interesting. Sometimes that's how God speaks to me. And I have to wonder whether. Because I, I was looking for an example to put in this. And I have to wonder whether maybe God made that happen just to teach me that. Maybe God can teach each of us some things by what we do. If we have a pet and we don't feed that pet, what happens to the pet? 
it dies. We have the Holy Spirit who wants to feed us. If we don't eat, if we don't take on the spiritual food, what happens? I'll leave you with that thought. I have a scenario I want to go through with you. Perhaps if everybody can just close their eyes and concentrate what I'm, on what I'm saying. I'm painting a picture for you. Imagine if a water pipe suddenly sprang a leak and we called a plumber. When the plumber arrives, we say, no need to get your tools out of your van, I just want you with me. I know what to do. Then we pick up our own tools, like a hammer, a roll of duct tape and a bit of chewing gum. We go to where the leak is and for the next two hours, the plumber watches as we jam some chewing gum into the leak, then duct tape up the pipe and hammer in a few nails to hold it all together. Never asking for help, never asking for direction, never asking even for, for a hand from the plumber. When it's finished, the plumber goes back to his van, hands us an invoice, thanks us for our business and goes off without ever being allowed to do what he came to do. And then the pipe springs a leak again. Open your eyes. Does that sound absurd? Yeah, it is. It is pretty absurd. But how many of us might be guilty, either intentionally or otherwise, of treating the Holy Spirit like that? We acknowledge his presence. We even call upon him when we're baptised. We appreciate the fact that he's right there alongside us, but do we ever let him do anything? Galatians 5:22 to 25. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. A couple of weeks ago on the Christian calendar was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that celebrates an event after Jesus' resurrection when God freely gave his Holy Spirit to anyone who believed in him. And the Holy Spirit that was present at Pentecost is exactly the same Holy Spirit that's available to us right now. No matter what our situational background is, when we belong to Christ, his Holy Spirit is with us at all times. That's a fact. Jesus promised that. And unlike me, Jesus keeps his promises. God's Spirit empowers and strengthens us and prays on our behalf. The Holy Spirit understands our needs he understands us better than we understand ourselves. He knows what's going on in our lives. We don't have to tell him. 
although it is good to tell him and ask for help. But he already knows that. He already knows what we need. But we need to respond to that. We need to allow him to do things in our life that are going to make all the difference. I wonder if we could seek something appropriate. And while we do that, if we contemplate that, have you allowed the Spirit to have His way in your life? Do you want the Spirit to have His way in your life?